Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I am Mark Warner without Chris Lisa today. I just thought we would put together a little midsummer episode, and, and our good friend of the show, Dana Lane, has been kind enough to give us a lot of his time. I know he's real busy, so we'll, we'll do a quick little half-hour show talking about some of the things that have been going on during the Vegas nights here in the offseason, uh, and we'll get started right away. All right, hockey fans, thanks for coming in today. We got a good friend of the show, Dana Lane. He's the owner of Dana Lane Sports, daily NHL contributor at the Las Vegas Review-Journal. He also is a handicapper for SBR Sports Picks and SportsCapping.com, where he's he's really getting slammed, getting ready for the NFL season, and they've just been on fire with the baseball picks coming out so far this season. So we really appreciate Dana taking a little bit of time out, out of his schedule to jump in and talk a little Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Dana, thanks for coming in. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, no problem, man. I, I'm glad to be back. It's been a long time. I I trust everything's been uh, good at the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Yeah, we've been. Uh, we we did our our little free agency roundup show, and then we kind of, as they say, headed to the cottage for the summer. And we haven't done a show in about a month, so I figure with our season preview episodes coming up here toward the end of August, it's a good time for just a little midsummer show to to. Get everybody a little bit of Golden Knights content and uh, just have a good time talking hockey on the fifth consecutive day of over 110 degree temperatures here in Las Vegas. You might as well stay inside, hit the air conditioning, and chat a little bit of hockey. Well, I will will tell you this. Um, For years now, I've heard hockey guys say, well, I'm going to go to the cottage. And I always thought "That, that, that sounds great. So this year, I actually went to the cottage. And so we uh, we're, we got a little little house off of um, uh, Bashan Island up in near Seattle and took a boat on there and stayed there for a couple of days and went up into Alaska and dropped about 55 degrees off of that trip. So I, I was trying, even though nice. it's not hockey season, I was certainly trying to uh, make the weather as close to hockey season as possible. Well, that had to be that had to be a fantastic time. We love Alaska, especially this time of year. Yeah, it, it is. Absolutely amazing. I definitely recommend it for everybody that uh, uh, anybody that can do it. But the other thing I would recommend as well, if you're taking a cruise up there, make sure to get the internet package because by about day three, <laughs> you're driving yourself insane and you're trying to, you know, figure out who's doing what, trying to keep up with things. But uh, the idea of not having the internet seems like a good idea, but about seeping into day three, day four, you're uh, you're ready for some information. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, the Vegas Golden Knights put some news out late this week. They're going to be hosting a Vegas rookie face-off from September 8th through 11th. There's going to be the rookies from six teams coming to Vegas to participate. In addition to the Golden Knights, we're going to have the Ducks, Kings, Coyotes, Sharks, and the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, all the rookies in town. The three games a day for the 8th, 9th, and 11th of September. Uh, they're going to start on the 8th and 9th. The games are going to be at 3 p.m., 5 p.m., and 7 p.m., on the 11th, they're going to be in 11 a.m., 11.30, utilizing both rinks at the City National Arena. And the last game of the of the session is going to be at 2.30 p.m. And then the 10th is going to be an off day for practice, which I imagine they're going to have both rinks in play, uh, six teams trying to go through drills and work their rookies through a little junior, little, little junior camp there. 
Um, so that's interesting. As far as I know, this is the first rookie tournament of this mag- magnitude um, in in the NHL. I, I I know that a lot of teams will will do split squad games and send send rookies off for home and homes and stuff. But uh, I think this reflects once again the outside the box thinking of VGK. And I wanted to ask you what if you've heard anything or what you think the Vegas roster will look like. Um, if it's going to be mostly the young stars that that are in their system, or do you think players like Thomas Hika, who would still technically be a rookie, uh, maybe Zach Whitecloat and a couple of other of those guys, do you think they would be on the roster for this for this session? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, we didn't I haven't specifically got got a roster sent to me yet, or who's who's going to be there. But it would be interesting for sure to you know see a guy like Whitecloat and, and Brandstrom and Cody Glass and you know. There's other guys too that I, I'd really like to see because um, I'd really like to see more of Reed Duke. I think this is a, a, an opportunity for him to, you know, go up against what essentially would be AHL or, or low NHL competition. Um, but you know, it, these guys always these guys are still in a situation where they have to prove themselves. Obviously, we know that Suzuki and Glass had tremendous seasons. In, uh, in in at the junior level last year, but obviously we want them to, uh, to get them to the American Hockey League level, and this is a good opportunity for them to you know show what they have. The other thing too is you know you get a guy like Nick Hag that or Nick Hag that you know certainly has all the tools in the world to to be a, a quality defenseman, but uh, the uh, the knock against Nick has always been his skating, and now we get to see you know him against. Uh, other guys of his uh, uh, on the same level, so I, I'm interested to see him. Interested to see you know where uh, a guy like uh, Lucas Alvarez is. I know that two years ago at at developmental camp, I, I looked at Lucas and you know turned to you know a few few guys that I do some things with, and I said, boy, I, I really like this kid. Now this past this past year at developmental camp, I guess he didn't, and a lot of people's view did not stick out as much. Um, I'm also uh, so obviously we want to see want to see where he's at. Uh, I'd love to see where Gage Quinney is at if if he's going to take part. I mean, you got yeah, you know, even from a goaltending standpoint, um, you know, you want to see where you know Dylan Ferguson is. You want to see right. where off with Dansk or Zachary Fakal or you know, I mean, these guys that are kind of really you know a lot of people might not have heard of them, but you know, interesting for sure to see you know, where some of these guys are. Is. So so to go back to what you were saying, you know, a guy like Thomas Tomasica, you know, you know, I absolutely, I wouldn't, but I, I, I guess I wouldn't expect to see Hika in this type of thing. I mean, he's, he's 25 years old. You kind of know what you're going to get. Neither, you know, you wouldn't expect to see, um, you know, Alex Galan. I mean, guys that are, you know, kind of brand new, but, or, or, you know, Oscar Dansk, you wouldn't expect to see these guys, but, you know, certainly the, the I, I would envision the same guys that you would have seen at developmental camp for the most part would also take part in this uh, rookie showcase. And then, and then as far as what the other teams um, might be looking to get out of this, obviously besides a trip to Las Vegas to kick off the year, there's got to be an expense involved with getting all the, all the players and the, and their gear and all the coaches and everybody down to Las Vegas for a four day trip there in early September um, besides just a chance to see their rookies maybe compete at, at, at a level, you know, of their peer group, if you will, um, what would be some of the benefits you think other teams can take away from coming to Las Vegas? Well, it, 
I mean, it's simply just competition. I mean, this this is not a, a brand new concept. I mean, they do do this in in Buffalo. They've been doing it for years. You have the Bruins go in there, and you have the Penguins go in there. So, you know, it's uh, you know teams that are really close get together, and it's much better to have competition than it is to just you know be in practice or be in a camp or you know play sure. a minimal amount in, in exhibition games. I mean, this is a great opportunity. If you remember um, years ago. It was at the Orleans uh, Orleans Arena, and the Sharks and the Ducks brought their rookies in to play a game as well. So um, it, it's not brand new to Las Vegas, but this sort of tournament uh, per se is, is kind of brand new. And I think it's just you know it, it's really the equivalent of you know having spring training here in, in baseball right. terms. I mean, I right. think it's a fantastic opportunity for all these teams to come in. I mean, look, we're going to be. Vegas is going to see Arizona. They're going to see San Jose. They're going to see Colorado a lot. I mean, these are all teams that, you know, the Knights are going to be very familiar with or are familiar with. Um, and I think it just really gives everybody at a, you know, a closer look at how the work, how their rookies are going to stack up against the, the teams that you have to beat on a regular basis to have success in the Western conference. So, you know, these things, um, these things are fantastic and they're great for the fans as well because, you know, you can pick guys uh, that are going to be here and, you know, I mean, they're accessible. You know how hockey guys are. They're incredibly accessible. Absolutely. And uh, it's a great opportunity for, for kids and fans to, you know, get on, get down to City National and see guys that will play meaningful minutes in the National Hockey League at some point. And so that's September 8th through 11th. Contact the Vegas Golden Knights for tickets. It will be open to the public. I haven't heard whether the practice day will be open to the public, but I think that would be a fun day to go down and just actually outside of looking at, at games, um, see how they see how they look in their own practice going through their own drills. Um, so I haven't heard if that session will be open to the public, but the game certainly will be. So if you're in town September 8th through 11th, make sure you get out to City National Arena, get your tickets early so you're not standing in line at 4 in the morning trying to get a wristband. Um, okay, let's look back a little bit, Dana, because we haven't talked to you since the playoffs. And I just a real couple quick thoughts from you on this. The Knights blow through the first three rounds, uh, enter the finals 12-3. and I uh, just – just now that we've had a chance to look back at it, what really stood out as the difference in the first three rounds besides Marc-Andre Fleury playing fantastic in goal? Well, I mean, for me, what's, what stood out, I, I don't know if there was one specific thing. I, I will tell you this. I mean, I, I've said this a hundred times. Um, they went into the San Jose series, and you look on paper, and I, and I definitely thought, you know, the Sharks depth-wise was, was better than the Golden Knights. I mean, I publicly said that I just – I thought San Jose was a better team. And I thought, you know, for the most most part, um, I really think the intangible is – you know, and I know it's, you know, it's easy to say and cliche, but, you know, heart and desire to me um, was definitely a reflection of whether or not, the, you know, their success. And, and it was all season long. I think the things that carried them through – the regular season carried them through the postseason as well. I think when they got to Washington, I think it was just really a, a matter of skill level. I mean, I thought Washington, a team that is last in the National Hockey League in shots uh, shots on goal per game, but certainly in a, one of the most form- formidable offenses uh, in the National Hockey League. I think um, it, we talked so much the year before about you know getting shots on that, having speed, but I think we also realized that you you know speed. And shots on net 
don't always equate to um, Stanley Cup championships the way it did with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, I think now that you've seen that you've got to have good puck handlers, you have to have uh, skilled defensemen, you have to have that you know element of toughness, which Vegas certainly did. But I just thought in that Washington series, the Capitals' skill level was just a little bit better, which forced not only not only uh, the Vegas defensemen to kind of run around a little bit. I I can't tell you how many times. You, I'm sure you've seen this too. Uh, I mean, mm. Vegas was out of position. They were running around. They were chasing. They did not play with confidence uh, in their own defensive end. And, and in fact, that also um, was a reflection of the way Mark Andre Fleury played. I thought he was um, too reactive rather than anticipating. Um, you know, I mean, that backside with Ovechkin just sits there and lives. Mm. Um, yeah, you know that that absolutely killed Vegas. The passes through the the uh, the pain area, the the low slot area that was uncontested, that allowed Washington to get pucks in deep. Those are the things that really hurt Vegas in that series. But guy, I, I know Mark, it, it's so hard to mm. look at what the Golden Knights did and, and find any fault whatsoever because um, what an amazing run. And and so that kind of brings us maybe to another subject of. Okay, we know they all came to play with a chip on their shoulder last year. That was kind of a nice little thing that they rode. You know, whether it was George McPhee, whether it was uh, Gerard Gallant, I mean, everybody had a reason or something to prove. Okay, so now going into 18-19, what do we have right now? What is going? What what are they saying? Hey, look, we we have something to prove because this happened. Well, this is a team, and people kind of overlook this and. Even going back to you know talking about handicapping a little bit, um, you know people just assume that last year's success will ignite a team into the next season to have the same type of success, and that's just that's not accurate. I mean, we could just we could look at the Edmonton Oilers last year; they got off to you know, they won their first game, and then from that point on, they just couldn't find that that internal desire. Um, sure. And night in, night out basis. And, and what's, what's funny about that, Mark, is we know that it was some sort of an internal thing inside because they played great against Boston. They played great against Vegas. They played great against Tampa Bay. But it was when they were up against the Calgarys and the teams that they should beat, they just couldn't find it. And, and that is something that I worry about a little bit with Vegas, even though they didn't win the Cup. They certainly went to the Cup. They certainly feel a level of accomplishment. Now where's that inspiration going to come from other than personal desire? Well, I said, and, and just for the record, Dana, I did pick the Knights over the Sharks in six games. So just uh, not good. Not, <laughs> I did. Pick, and then I had them in six over Winnipeg too. But um, then I had them in six over Washington. So we know where that went. Um, and and I'm, I'm glad you agree with me. I didn't think that the Knights were really themselves in the Stanley cup final. I thought, they, 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 you know, let's face it, they were the eighth best defensive team in the regular season in goals allowed. And what you don't get that way from leaving your offside defensive position when you have a one-on-one on the other side of the ice and Marc-Andre Fleury in that many, many times we saw uh, the, the offside defenseman leave, leave his spot and, and chase the puck, resulting in a backdoor from the spot that he just left. We saw that more in the final than we saw all season long. Um, so I would have liked to have seen the team that played the Winnipeg Jets go out and play the Washington Capitals and take your chances that way. 
Um, I really think they were out of sorts, and maybe they only played five games in 21 days, and they just lost that edge perhaps. Maybe the young guys, um, maybe those the lights were just a little bit too bright in the final, but they definitely weren't themselves in, in that final. So maybe that's where they draw that inspiration from. Um to go back and, and dig down and, and find that fire to compete throughout the regular season. Like you say, we've seen teams hit that Stanley Cup hangover where it takes them a month or two to get started and, and struggle um, the way you mentioned. And, and you go back to 2014 with the Kings who won the Stanley Cup final and then missed the playoffs the next season. So I don't think that, as you say, they're, they're really, you know, there is a reset button that needs to be hit. And there are going to be new players on this roster. And, and let's get into free agency a little bit. Um, I've said on the show that Paul Stastny was the coup of the UFA signing period um, with Winnipeg moving out Mason and, and a couple other pieces. They, I'm sure they felt that they were going to re-sign Stastny as soon as free agency hit. And then when we started seeing reports on Twitter and pictures of Stastny here in town, um, is, that the, is that maybe the, the coup? in your opinion, when George McPhee was able to get staff in here and term and salary, maybe a year extra, maybe a couple, maybe half a million too much, but you had that, you had that to play with. And he really locks down that second line center position um, until glass and or Suzuki can come in and maybe, maybe tutelage under him a little bit. And he also, one thing that may, may go unnoticed, he was the uh, 10th, highest faceoff percentage in the NHL last year, and that was one of the things that right. Washington did expose that he will bring to this team on that second line. So talk a little bit about the Stastny signing from your opinion. Uh, from my standpoint, I thought it was a fantastic move. I mean, like you said, he is going to lock down that second-line center position. I, I would love for them to lock down that third-line center position, which I think is the weakness of the team. But, um, you know, Cody Eakin does a lot of good things on special teams, and, you know, we'll see what happens if the William Carlson thing ever pops up again. I think any deal that they do make certainly should include, include Cody Eakin because I think um, – uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, you know, I don't. I, I'm not sure he's a four million dollar player. I just that, that's I just my personal thought about it, and um, it's nothing personal with him. I, I like Cody Eakin, but I just, I, I just, and especially this year too. I mean, I mean you might be looking at. Uh, I mean, it, it's gonna. They got a lot of different things that they can do. Obviously, you can put Hollow down at third line center if you want to do that. If you're not, you know, happy with what you're. Uh, you know, what you get in an Eakin. I don't know if you're going to uh, take a guy like Daniel Carr and put him up on the left side or how you're going to uh, address that. But um, they really need a, a big year out of Thomas Tatar. I think um, between him and Alex Tuck, I mean, one of them are going to be fighting for uh, probably the second second line minutes. I hope that they get a, you know, 20, 20 25 goal season out of Tatar. I, I don't even know, you know, for what they gave up, he certainly, he certainly at least there should be a 30 guy, but you know, that's, uh, that remains to be seen what happens when he gets a full year under his belt with the golden Knights. But uh, going back to Stastny, I mean, I think it's fantastic. I mean, I, I really do. I think um, he's a guy that um, is going to come in and he's, you know, obviously has tremendous presence. pedigree. Yep. You know he's uh, he's he's a great two-way player. He's a great passer. You know he's a, a guy that certainly sees the ice really very well. Pretty good. He makes the players around that. him better. 
He makes the players yeah. around him better that he plays with, too. So that's going to be a big help if Tuck can get up to that second line. And I'm not even – I'm not even uh, you know, Hall is not really a natural center. If if I'd love to see what a Hall-Stastny-Tuck second line would look like. I mean, Hall did pump 29 goals there in, uh, from the center position. Um, so I, I, I think a lot will try that line combo. I think if you – you do Tatar, Tuck, Stastny. There's something to be said for that. Um, I, I well, think that's they fine. Make... If you want to, if you want to do that, that, that's fine. I mean, you're you're still. I I don't know what you're going to do with the third line. I mean, obviously you have to make a decision between Tatar and Tuck. But you know, again, from an offensive standpoint, I know that you don't ask for a ton from your third line, but certainly you ask for. Um, at least as much as the fourth line gave them in the postseason. I mean, that fourth line was was head and shoulders above their third line in the postseason. I mean, they yep. uh, <laughs> between Reeves and and Nozick and you know the guys that you know would play the the lesser of the minutes. I mean, those guys really had some golden opportunities in the finals. And I don't know if you're going into the to the eighteen nineteen season and, and looking at Carr and Eakin and maybe Tucker Tatar on that third line. I, I don't know if that sparks a lot of <laughs> I don't know if yeah, that no, for sure. in me. But so um, I mean that, you can move. You got it. I mean listen, if you're gonna go into the season with Cody Eakin being your third line center, you're gonna get what you get. I mean but yeah. if you have some options if you could potentially put a hollow down, which is not what I think should should happen by the way. I, I still like Hala on, the, on that second line, and I still want to see where he can evolve into. But, you know, certainly to me, you have a glar- glaring weakness at third-line center. Now, uh, I'll throw this at you, and I, I know we all love our fourth line, but if you could go Carrier, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> uh, Pierre-Edouard Belmar and Reeves for your fourth line, Nosek is a natural center and had very, you know, a lot of success in the AHL playoffs with Chicago um, the year before we got him in the expansion draft. Maybe no six steps up into that third line center role. Well, we certainly could. I mean, what do you, at that point, what are you going to do with Belmar at that point? I mean, you put Belmar, Belmar still centers the fourth line. Oh, I thought that's what you said. The fourth line. No, 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 no sick moves up. And then you let Belmar oh, center the no fourth line with up. Reeves hey, and Carrier. No, 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 that's, yeah. Hey, look, I, I'm down with that too. I, I really am. No, no, can impressed me in the playoffs. I'm down I think with he deserved anything the shot. that does not involve Cody Eakin playing third line center. And I don't know if No Six is a huge jump, but if you wanted, if you want to go in, into that area, um, or you want to go shot. in that direction, I, I'm down with that for sure. And, you know, you can always fail safe Hall out of the third line. I think he'd do just fine. And I think he would make Carpenter and maybe Tomas Hika or if Daniel Carr can make the squad, although he's waiver exempt and, and maybe a piece that comes back and forth um, between the eight, Chicago and, and Vegas as needed. But um, Hall could probably make. I think, Daniel, I think Daniel Carr's a pretty good hockey player. You think so? I Oh, yeah. No, I definitely do. I think you're going to see him play meaningful minutes in Vegas. Right on. That's that's encouraging. I know Montreal uh, going when when we signed him. A lot of the Montreal message boards were saying good for him. He he proved he earned a shot. 
good luck. You know, there wasn't any, uh, oh, that spare tire is gone, thank goodness, kind of comments. You know what I mean? The Montreal fans seemed pretty pretty happy to see one of their own go on and, and get a chance for meaningful minutes in the league, and they thought that they that he deserved and earned a spot to to earn those minutes. So um, I haven't seen much of him. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear you, you speak highly of him. So I wouldn't mind a, a Hala Carpenter car slash Hika third line if that's you know if that's the way it goes and then if you go to Tartuck and and Stastny on the second line I, I mean that's not gonna that the only thing I think we miss out of the the Perron Neil departures Neil scored a lot of timely goals but I think Perron's puck possession in the offensive zone is going to be something that's tough to replace on that second line well what is it going to be hard to replace is Perron taking being non-existent for large, large sure. amounts of time, you know. I mean, that, that's the thing. I mean, I, that's true. I, I don't know. It, I, I will say this: um, these were the two guys, and, and I'm sure this wasn't the factor, but it's certainly a factor. These were the two guys that I think that if you had the pinpoint on the team, that you know, the team would say, "Well, you know, we hope we get a little bit more uh, out of Perron." And two, two separate reasons. Because I, if you had to pinpoint the two guys that maybe Vegas wanted a little bit more out of, it would probably be these two. And, and it's only because Neil, from a physical standpoint, just as the season went on and the postseason went on, from a physical standpoint, uh, from a speed standpoint, I thought he was on position quite a bit. He couldn't keep up, uh, that yeah. sort of thing. So, But from a broad standpoint, I think it was more from the neck up than it was his, his general ability. Um, on the ice. I mean, it, it, so the face-off, which you brought up, was a great point because one of the reasons why, you know, say the Kings are so good um, in their own end is because, especially on special teams, is because of their ability to win face-offs. And people yep. don't always realize how important that statistic is. And just look how good the Kings are at killing penalties. Well, there's a reason for that because they win face-offs uh, down a man and obviously when you're down a man and your face-off percentage is around 48 49%, that, that's phenomenal considering the other team's got five guys out there. Absolutely. And, and I think, I mean, plug Stastny in right there on your, on your first-line penalty kill, and um, you, you start converting those. And now, now I mean, it, it's a very dynamic signing, and, and I think Stastny's going to – impress a lot of a lot of hockey fans in Las Vegas. Well, you mentioned the Kings, and real quick before we go, we have a few minutes left. I wanted your thoughts on uh, what we can expect out of the Golden Knights next year. And if you look at the Pacific Division, um, the Kings lost a few players. Um, they did add um, – help me out, Dana, the Russian. <laughs> oh, uh, Kovalchuk. Ilya Kovalchuk, right. Um, that's a that's a wild card in my in my opinion. Um, Thirty five years old. I don't know if he's going to add that, that 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 dimension that they're hoping that he adds. Um, and he's always been kind of a me first player in my opinion. And uh, I don't know how well that I don't know how well that that plays in the Kings locker room. Um, the yeah. Ducks didn't do anything. And if Kessler is really going to take the full season off to to you know heal from his hip. Um, I think the Ducks take a step back. Um, Calgary has Mike Smith in goal, and, and that's you know they made a lot of moves, and I but I don't 
you know, I'm not I'm not high on Mike Smith. I don't know how far he can carry you. His his game. You you mentioned the the neck up factor. I think Mike Smith is is lacking in that category. Obviously, the Sharks got better. Um, so is, are we are we looking at at the Knights contending for the Pacific Division again, or is it a more realistic goal for them to just think top three in the division, make the playoffs, and go from there? Well, here's what's realistic. I mean, the realistic point of view should always be going into any season. I don't care if you're the Penguins or, you know, the Capitals or whoever. Uh, The realistic goal is let's get into the playoffs. Let's get into the playoffs healthy and let's be playing our best hockey at that time because we've seen anything can happen. Um, It just, you know, the problem is when you go to a Stanley Cup final, the expectation is, well, we're going to get there again or at least a conference final and if you followed this game long enough, you know that, you know, one-on-one doesn't always equal two. And so I think it's very important, you know, for Gerard Gallon, if I'm the head coach of the Golden Knights, I'm saying, look, you know, we had a tremendous season last year. We're putting that behind us. And now what we're going to do is we're going to take this, the, this season in increments and we're going to, you know, put it in 10-game increments and just refocus on what we're doing right here because – you know, we don't want to go backwards. I know some guys have gotten paid. I know there's some new faces. Um, but here's the one thing for Vegas that is, is a positive. They, they fill City National Arena every single day for practice. And I don't yep. know how many, you know, I don't get a practice attendance figures for the other teams in the league, but I can tell you this. It makes it's you play harder. It makes you practice better. And you, and you realize what the expectations are. And I guarantee last year was a fairy tale for this team. But I guarantee if they don't play well, they, these fans will also let them know that as well. I mean, that's how you create culture, and that's how you create a proper expectation. But like you said as well, I mean, they, you know, for the Kings, if you look at the other teams in the division, I mean, you know, defense is still the name of the game in the Western Conference. They're, I think, 10 of the top 12 teams in the National Hockey League are, um, you know, Western Conference teams that were, uh, the, I'm sorry, the top 10 of the of 12 and goals allowed. I think like 18, eight out of the top 13 were Western Conference teams and shots allowed per game. So it's still a defensive type of uh, type of conference for sure. But, you know, as far as the Kings are concerned, I mean, I think they're going to put Kovalchuk on that first line. And, I, I, you know, I wish him all the best. I mean, this is a guy that hasn't played in the National Hockey League in eight years. It's a guy who right. quit on Lou Lamarillo. Um, yep. You know, all more power to you if you're going to just throw him <laughs> on that top line. But I think uh, Pete DeBoer and Doug Wilson have something uh, brewing in San Jose. And, boy, they, they look uh, extremely deep. So I think the Sharks are definitely the team. Uh, going into the season that Vegas has to worry about the most. I agree, but let's not also forget too, Mark. I I know you got to go, but let's not also forget that the uh, Arizona Coyotes were seventeen and eleven over the last twenty eight. <laughs> you know, so if they could find some scoring, consistent scoring, man, you don't think the Coyotes remember how, how Vegas tore them apart Spank. as an expansion team Spank. last year? <laughs> yeah, so no, I, I'm sure they do. Me. I'm sure they do. Believe me, if I'm um, Rick Tockett, that's the first thing I mentioned. What is that, 10 points uh, that the, that Vegas got out of them? 12 points, I think? Uh, well, they, uh, yeah, there's I don't have to be, There's going to be a physical uh, – maybe maybe a physical few games there against Arizona. They're certainly going to have something to say this season, I would think. 
Well, the other thing, too, is all these teams are going to have a book on Vegas now. You know, there's not going to be anybody surprising anybody. There's going to be that extra, you know, I call it the, uh, the Notre Dame factor where every time you play the Irish, no matter what, now you want to beat them because you know that, who they are. you know, it's just just one of those teams where you know who they are and it looks good on your resume to get a W against them. And I think Vegas now, uh, you know, they start, they develop, develop the winning culture. I think there's a little bit of arrogance maybe, which is a, a touch of arrogance in any organization is good. I'd rather yeah, have I it agree. than not have it. And I think people will be gunning for him. A humble, humble arrogance. arrogance, you know, a quiet a good way to put for sure. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think they do have that. Well, Dan, I do got to run, buddy. Thank you so much for uh, coming in on the Saturday. I know you're real busy. I'm going to let you get back to it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hopefully uh, it won't be as long as it was the last time that we spoke, sir. For sure. For sure, man. I appreciate it and all the best, dude. And we're uh, counting the days down the hockey season. It won't be long now. All right, all right. Make sure everybody follows Dana Lane on Twitter, at Dana Lane Sports. Um, thank you, everybody, for coming on. Coming in and listening to the show today, check us out on iTunes, the Apple iPod uh, app, Blog Talk Radio, so on and so forth. Everywhere podcasts are are gathered, you can find us there. Uh, So thanks, everybody. This was was just a real quick podcast. We'll get it out there. Um, You guys can get it in the archives. And we'll be talking to everybody soon. Thank you all for coming, and we're gone.